Okay, I think we're we're not live. We're uh, we're pre-recording live. We're pretending to be live in a sort of. Hello, everybody! It's a Thursday afternoon at approximately two p.m. Pacific. Uh, yeah, um, right. It is not. definitely not Wednesday at one p.m. Pacific. No, and it's not just nine o'clock in the UK either on the Wednesday. It is definitely Thursday at ten o'clock. Welcome to ten o'clock, everybody. Yeah. So, uh, so hey, everyone. Um, welcome to this pre-show that we're doing. Uh, we're going to do things a little different tonight. So, as we mentioned or alluded to, we are actually pre-recording this. We're recording this on Wednesday just because of some scheduling conflicts. We didn't want to leave you high and dry with another week without a podcast because we had scheduling conflicts last week. Uh, and so, here we are. We are doing everything like normal, the pre-show, the post-show, although there's some limitations with the technology that we're using. And so... What you'll likely see is we have a pre-show in most of our feeds, a regular show in most of our feeds, and a post-show in most of our feeds uh, that you will need to kind of click through on something. Like, so if you're watching on YouTube, you'll need to click through all the uh, different events. If you're watching on Twitch, it should just play continuously. Uh, there, Like I said, there's some limitations. It's just a little weird. Stick with us. Uh, if you're looking for the main show, there's probably another event for that. Anyway, Barry and I are going to do the pre-show like we normally do. We'll do the post show like we normally do and all this will be stitched together for all of our patrons so they won't like i should probably even just cut this part out i won't but they'll they'll get to experience this as one giant flow they get they get to see just how we're gonna use our awesomeness i, I say our awesomeness your awesomeness and um in, make, yeah. in making this um making this a thing um i've just realized i've left my um mail client open so i shall just close that and vaguely try and <laughs> yes yeah, so this is so this is the pre-show Let's be clear. If, if you, you know, go find the main show if you want to listen to that. This is just going to be very and I putting together the show notes. We got a lot to get through, so it's going to be it's going to be one hell of a pre-show. Uh, so I don't know if that's hyping it up too much. Um, <laughs> Barry, we do have some notes to get through. I want to make sure. So I think uh, th this um, looking at the notes, I think we have quite a bit here to to uh, sort through. Um, Look, I've I've stripped the main story down to I think the bare essentials. Um, right. And I think what we need to do is we need to pare down this large article into like bite-sized chunks for us to talk about. Bite-sized. Yep, I'd agree. Uh, and then from there, um, I don't think we even need to go into the second. Excuse me, bullet point that I know. Why? Why? I'm having internet issues again. Are you still there, Barry? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Okay, Hello. great, great. Okay, I hope it caught that. I hope it got me going, oh, because... It did from this side. Okay, good. I wonder whether Restream's having issues because, again, for the past, like I said, I've been doing some other recordings today, and it's been it's been a bit flaky. Um, I don't so, know. I know there's yeah. a big Discord and Spotify outage yesterday, and I wonder if they're using the same web stack or what. So well, I just thought, uh, thought everyone was ignoring me. No, there we go. Um, um, okay, so so. We'll it's, it's like that time when um, you um, WhatsApp and the stuff went down, and um, I remember because I went I went on business and I was like I can't talk to anybody and I'm stuck yeah. in a hotel room by myself. What do I do? How how dependent are we on technology that that's an yeah, issue like really almost good. every week? Uh, okay, so let's let's go through and like pare these down. If you want to start from the top down, I'll work from the bottom up, and then we'll kind of like meet in the middle of like just kind of um, refining these bullet points to be uh concise and you know uh relevant to the topic um and i think we yep, can go from there one thing i do want to mention barry is that you and i at the lab meeting talked about uh, sort of 
recurring mentions of our sister podcast, your podcast. Yes. Uh, and um, I did put um, a little thing at the top in the programming notes. If you want to take a look at that really quick and just make sure that there's. Yeah. So I think what we'll do every show is we'll just kind of mention it as a programming note. Hey, here's, you know, here's what's going on on the 1202 podcast. And I, I am going to mention like how I see interviews on this channel going forward, because you and I have uh, very different spaces that we occupy. Yep. Yeah. And I think, you know, we we can still do interviews over here on Human Factors Cast, but I want to make them centered around conferences and, and that yeah, type yeah, of yeah. thing, you know. Yeah, that's so, cool. um, you know, we not stepping on anybody's toes here. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a broad space. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it will uh, kind of set expectations for people and I think that'll be good. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right. I'm working from the bottom up here. Yeah. I'm just writing some notes on Oh, yeah. 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 So, so with that, you know, I'll say, hey, Barry just interviewed, uh, we won't spoil it, uh, on our sister podcast, 1202, about a wonderful new initiative he started up. Barry, you want to say a few words? Uh, or, uh, you know what? I'll just let you jump in. You know, I'll, yeah, I'll no, say the first line and, and uh, kind of yeah, pause yeah. and then you can jump in and say that. Okay. Uh, all right. Going back to editing. Editing. Um, youth culture. Yeah, I think that's a. Uh, All right, I'm going to actually start with this. This is a good thing to start with here. Um, let's see here. Science behind. I'm going to say opening statements or something because I think. Uh, how was your week, mister? This week has been. So I got back off holiday Friday lunchtime. And then from Friday afternoon, with the exception of the when I joined the lab with you guys, all the <laughs> way through Friday, Saturday, Sunday was solid work because um, we had deliverables going in. They then went in on, well, Amanda was working them until four o'clock in the morning. Um, so we have a really cool work dynamic where I work better in the morning, she works better in the evening. So we can almost hospital pass stuff. So I, I can write the reports in the morning and then she'll pick them up in the afternoon and evenings. Um, I, I write through the day, she writes through the night. And um, and so we sort of hit both of our sweet spots, um, which is great, except for when you're doing stuff like this and you need multiple yeah. brains working at the same time. And you know, like, so we, I said this, you said this, which one is the right answer? And um, so we had a whole lot of that. I've started a, or I'm starting a new project on, as being the human factors lead for a thing called Sky. So you, you see Terminator, yeah? Yeah, uh, the UK Multisatcom Systems is called Skynet. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, it, is it? It's with the AI, right? SKAI. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've, um, I've worked with that platform before. <laughs> and I'm now going to be the human factors lead for Skynet Six. Wow. Um, so for yeah. all of the UK, so which is going to be quite cool. Um, so doing a bit of that, and so I'm trying to get ramped up to that because it's years since I've done anything to do with with side of things uh, so that's that's a new domain and also being that the side of the 
a table that I'm going to be is a is a different uh, is a different one. So I'm actually on the MOD side rather than the contract side. So that's cool. Um, so yeah, it's just um, that's been been manic. Then so I'm going to get new laptops and stuff like that. Um, what else have we done this week? Oh yeah, we're trying to bid for some other work as well. And this, it's just been it's been non-stop. It really has, and I think it's going to be like this until. Not this Friday, but next Friday. Um, I've got close out of of a, of a really major project I've been working on, and um, so major presentation. Major presentation. In fact, that does lead me to another good point. Um, next Thursday evening, I might have problems again, um, and if we fancy do not know Wednesday, that might be very helpful. Um, <laughs> I just realised um, <laughs> only because. Um, don't open that up again um, because I'm doing what, four presentations in the day um, yeah, so on the 17th I'm doing um, end of this project and then I'm, I'm doing a presentation for the have you heard of the IET, the Institute of Engineering Technology it's a sort of it's a big engineering um, institute which I'm also a member of but um, not taking over um, but I'm doing a, a human factors presentation to engineers in the evening Mm. That's not going to take as long. And so then I will be finishing that and then coming um, straight into this. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, um, that'll, be, that'll be tons of fun. Um, so, but it's, it's, going to, it's going to be a hybrid. So I'm doing it online and I'm doing it face-to-face, which I've got to say, I'm not a fan of. Oh, the hybrid like approach? Do, yeah, I like to do one or the other. What uh, if, I'll, do, I'll uh, do, do them both one after the other, but I just don't like the, the whole same time thing. Oh, okay. So you're like in person and there's like online presence watching the in-person thing? Yeah, so they're going to have cameras doing that so, yeah. so I can have a laptop so people can chat as well through the laptop but also you're going to have a lecture theater in the room. So and You don't like that. Why, why don't you? Can I ask why you don't like that? Because I actually prefer that. See, I don't uh, because I think you can either do I think you get better quality either face-to-face or online. I think the dynamics of them both are just very different. Um, and the way that you interact with them are different. So I would prefer to do it twice. Um, okay. Once like this, say, you know, like through this sort of platform, uh, where you can focus on what you're doing here, and then once yeah. face-to-face where you can use the room. Um, because if you're being video camera, you can't really move away from the podium. You, you know, you're, you're so restricted from... And I, you know, I'll, okay, so... so look, like, I, I, will, I will say, yes, there are restrictions. And I think if you, ha- if you, if you build it for a hybrid model, it has the potential to far uh, exceed either one of them individually. Because like, let's say you have an interactive platform that everyone, not just people online watching, but Mm -hmm. people live in the audience can type on and be like, I have a question, here's my question. They don't have to go up to a microphone or whatever. They just get put in a queue with everybody else from online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And and, you know, if you have somebody there filming you so you could walk and you know, you have a cameraman or an AI thing that, you know, an AI camera that follows your your steps, right? I'm just saying, if it's built around that, yes. if it's built around that, then I think it has the potential to be awesome because then you can pull up examples uh, that, you know, from, from where you're at, you can pull up examples uh, of questions from the technology that you're using right up on that screen that you're presenting to and people in person see the screen and per- people online see the screen digitally with you in the corner or whatever it is. Um, I think it just has the potential to be so think- good. I think you're right in that the potential is that it could be amazing. However, 
I know that none of that's going to exist. It's going to be a single little camera, uh, basically like a little webcam um, at the front of the thing and put set up in a way that probably isn't going to be that good. I, I, I hope I am um, pleasantly surprised. And uh, well, you'll, you'll find out next week when I come back and I either go, that was amazing! Or, oh my God, you want to see what I've just had to do. Um, or you could watch. You could watch it before the show because it'll be online. You could register. That's true. That's true. Although, whatever uh, you got I, things to do today, <laughs> my Thursdays are packed as well. Uh, I am yeah. coming from a um, from a busy, busy day, uh, stacked meetings, um, and and I guess podcasting is kind of my getaway. So, uh, mm. yeah. Okay. Um, so the that science one I've just stripped down to three. I think that's all we need to do with that. Benefits of social interaction don't work. Right, that's the same yeah. as what I just read. Um, yeah. Talking about leadership, there are planned collaborative events. So um, yeah, I wow, there's so much to get through, and we don't even have it came from as yet. I am I this let me tell you. And for anyone watching, this is uh, different for me because I'm actually a little worried that we might not actually get all the show notes done in this, in this, uh, I guess, 20 yeah, so minutes. We, we'll, we don't need all this. Yeah. We'll pull this it together. Thing. It'll be clutch. But, It'll uh, be fine. This whole, the, whole, the whole benefits of social interaction work, I don't think we need that. I think that's all, yeah. that's all junk. It's not I'm going to get rid of the face-to-face -face interaction stuff, too. I think that's... That was all really well written. Um, remote the, workers... I'm going to get rid of that, too, because we're not really talking about that stuff. We talked at ad nauseum about that. Uh, foster employee interaction. I think this yeah. is relevant. We'll take this. That's, that is, that's, that's, the, um, that's the juice for the squeeze. Meat and plan predators. Yeah. Plan, plan for collaborative events. No. Let's get rid of that. Wait, hang on. I just... I, uh... Have you stripped that? Oh, you stripped that to just two. Yes, let's keep that. Yeah, I stripped it to two. Um, let's... let's uh... Let's format it here to be normal text, so that way it's teeny tiny. Um, and this one, yeah, I'm going to pare this down. So creating opportunities. I think that's a good bullet point. Uh, I'm going to take out the source here just to turn up. Uh, is therefore crucial that leaders. Uh, make this a sub bullet limitations are better able to adapt you don't need all the negatives to everything yeah so let's get rid of all the contrast because if just the contrasting uh, go positive and just i guess positive and just say look obviously maximizing engagement Got a two key concepts. Barriers, creating opportunities. Um, so I, I've also had just kind of a really busy week. This has been a uh, the week from hell, really. I, I think. Oh, really? um, I mean, I wouldn't. You know, it's just been. Uh, there, there's a lot. Uh, your internet's gonna go. 
This is going to be exciting. So if you're watching this, then Nick's face is just wait. It, times when you get cameras that pause and you just get quite amusing pieces where um, people's faces just pause midstream. That's quite an amusing one because clearly he's either his camera's paused or he's just very, very, very shocked at what he's read. Um, anyway, sorry, he will probably pop back in a minute. And at that point, I'm going to dive into the it came froms and actually since he's not here it's an ideal opportunity for me to go into our it came froms and from the bank and oh he's come back before i could uh has he come back is he coming now oh he's back there we go you're back the week from yeah, yeah. <laughs> look yeah. look uh here at human factors cast we are plagued with technical issues from if it's not my microphone or um, <laughs> you know the platform that we're using, it's used and uh, scheduling conflicts. Oh my goodness! Ah. Oh. So anyway, as I recall, I was um, I'm about having a really rubbish week. Mm. Yeah, today specific. Anyway. Today, today is a lot. Um, meeting to eight. 30 to 10. You're not going to like this, but your internet stuff's really rubbish. Yeah, I know. Stand by. Going. Yeah. Going. Oh, no, there, no, you still there, audio is. still there, sort of. I'm glad the audio. Uh, uh, yellow. Warning. Oh, so you think it's actually your your internet connection rather than? Um... So here's here's the issue. They deal with internet server to uh, internet issue. Two to four. Yeah, you sound like you sound like C3PO. It's really funny. It's uh. gracious me. <laughs> anyway, um, my one more week is that I have a holiday myself coming up, so I'm, I'm trying to cram stuff into this week. All right. Um, are we good on the show notes? I think we're we got enough there. To, uh... For the show notes, yes. There's um um one more things. I'm just on the in the human factor subreddit and look at me kind of um, cool actually going online. So I noticed that nobody's fixed the bot and I don't know how to fix it. Um there's so I'm gonna bring that into here. Um, how do you know that you can do this? quite a long time ago, but...
Has he just run off again? No, he's, yep, no, he's gone again. See, I think he's just not enjoying working with me. Um, there we go. So we are looking in the human. We're on. I'm on Reddit, looking at um, different things for the um, from it came from. Um, in the grand scheme of things, there's practice engineering. That's what I do. Um, okay, let's spin out with that one because that's not where I'm be. I don't need any of that. Um, CI credit. Um, what did you do for extracurricular? No, that's just title, not interested. Um, nope. Nope. Look for places, people who do UX research within and for healthcare. Nope. So what we're trying to look for is things that we can talk about, which is a bit different from what we usually do. We do a lot of the, I've got some sort of degree, what should I do? Um, trying to find some stuff that is a bit more... Um, application acceptance factor no acceptance college no a b test no that's not right either well i think we might we might have to oh decide to join us again hello no you haven't you've sort of joined us and then frozen again this is going to be an exciting show. Friend designer. So I'm going to pull in. Is an undergraduate certificate HCI worth it? Because the answer is that's a classic. It depends question. Um. What else do we have? Best universities for HCI in Europe. Um, that's interesting. There's quite a few. Um, is an undergraduate certificate in HCI worth it? Isn't the one I've just cut in? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, you're back. Hello. Unbelievable. You know what? We're pre-show. We're pre-show. Barry, I'm going to take like five minutes to reset my router after this. Okay. Then we're gonna start the I've, show proper, but it'll be seamless to you all. You just click on the thing, and we'll be. It'll be there. It'll be there. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to. I pulled in a 
yeah, I've got. Well, I'll pull in it, and one more week came from out the bank, and um, and we'll be good to go. Oh, great! I'm glad you've been working on the show notes because, uh, yeah, this has been really hard. Over I've here, just been like... you. That's all right. <laughs> uh... You know, our it came from bot has been <laughs> for over a month too, and I need to fix that. Oh, you didn't hear what I was? Yeah, because I was. I was basically insulting you around that, but then you crashed out, so you didn't hear what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, uh, I need to fix it. You know what? I can fix that right now while we're while we're in the pre-show and while uh, things are going uh, swimmingly <laughs> so well. So I'm, uh, the third it came from, I think. Now I've just put in these very apt. Um, okay, you know what? I need worst? to check these because uh, I'm just trusting your judgment here with with the ones that we're picking. They're all in the bank, so they should be fine. Uh, I've, I've stolen one out of. Um, out of the human factor subreddit. Um, Great. So that's no, that's not, yeah. Right, cool. I'll format those <sighs> later. Yeah. I I feel very uh, low stress because I don't have to get everything out tonight. Um, like that's true. Yeah. I'm probably going to be up though, super late, so that way you know all this stuff will go out tomorrow in a timely manner, but. I don't feel like I need to do anything right after we're done with this like I normally do. Like I'm in a scramble mode to get everything out the door uh, for our listeners um, normally. But but this week, nah, I'm going to give it a couple hours. <laughs> it'll all be out there for you tomorrow. I guess you, if you're listening, you're, it'll be here you're for you now. Hi. Yeah. Hi. You're listening now. This is Hello from the Past. Um, I did all the work later tonight and you're now seeing the fruits of my labor uh with you, editing you did, you did it so well well done thank you <laughs> thank you you know what and all the <laughs> you should have seen it before i fix things <laughs> <laughs> oh why is that switched on oh sorry i'm just gonna switch off my own advertising because i don't know why that's come back on again there we go oh, okay. maybe i just didn't from earlier I've been having Wi-Fi issues as well, not as bad as oh. yours. But um, yeah. <laughs> I've got some outside lights that are smart controlled through Alexa by a smart thing, and for some reason, it's now decided just to uh, switch itself off. Cool. Um, but um, oh. I've just I've just realised I've got all sorts of things that really describe your um, your, your Wi-Fi, really. Um, things like, <laughs> uh, hey, there you go, and. Um, Oh yeah, it's just <laughs> there. We go. We're done. I'll leave it at that. So, so uh, before we before we go live here, or I guess not live before we before we record the show. <laughs> so, I was gonna comment because look, we are playing this as if um, you know we're playing it in a normal time slot. Again, this is all pre-recorded. So if yeah. you've dropped any questions or comments in the feed, uh, we're not seeing that on our end. Um, feel free to. Jump on over to our Discord, ask those questions there, and we will be more than happy to answer them on next week's live mm -hmm. yeah. uh, performance. Yes. Um, or just jump on Discord anyway. You know, even yeah. if you just, yeah, yeah, you yeah. come and say hello. Um, that was, uh, I was a bit disappointed, if I'm honest, that nobody really chewed into my, because um, I put a photo of a the hub I'd been using whilst on holiday, the uh, kitchen hub. Um, and the usability of it was absolutely shocking. Um, yeah. I got to the point that I got so even Amanda sort of turned around and said, This is a human factors nightmare. Um, which I was like, Dude, you, you, you haven't even finished your degree yet. You can't go quoting human factors things until you're qualified. 
Um, I didn't say that obviously because she she like sort of right. just looked down on me and stuff. But in my head, I said it. There you but, go. Um, well, wait, you're trying to get her on the show. So what if she's listening or watching? She's not listening because she is. Oh no, because she might listen tomorrow. Oh, uh, yeah, she might be listening because we're yeah time lapse. Um, no, she's gone to <laughs> the reason I'm here tonight is because the um she's gone to Harry Potter World or Harry Potter Studios. Oh, oh her, yeah, that thing's with, cool. Yeah, with my uh, uh with my son. So as a bit of a belated because he was meant to go as part of his birthday treat, but then just before we were going to go, he um we had COVID lockdown again. And so he couldn't go, and something else happened. I can't remember what it was, but anyway, couldn't go. So it delayed to now, and so that's where that's so that overnighting, um, which is cool because I get to no, I've been working all day, but then um, I had the evening with with my girls and that sort of stuff, and um, and so me and my eldest daughter been watching telly, and, and then we came out to do this, and yeah, all good. All good. All right. Well, hey, if you're watching. Uh, depending on the platform that you're on, if you're on Twitch, this should pick up here in just about a minute. If you're uh, watching on YouTube, you might need to select the actual show here as it is live. Uh, there's also going to be a another version that's cleaned up. Uh, and then from there, you might need to click on a post show on YouTube. It might be the same on Twitter. You might need to click on a different thing. Uh, same thing with Facebook. Wherever you're watching, I think you might need to click off of this pre-show onto the main show. But we're going to be right back, literally in like, I think it'll be scheduled for like 15 seconds from right now, right now. So go find it. We'll be back and we'll see you then. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology and design. What's going on, everybody? It is episode 237. We're actually pre-recording this episode on March 9th, 2022, for an air date of March 10th, and this is Human Factors Cast. I am your host, Nick Rome. I am joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby. Hey, how are you doing? Good. I'm also joined today by a slew of technology issues, so we'll see if we can... <laughs> we'll see if we can slog through it today. Uh, stick with us. We're, we're going to try to get this episode it's gonna be a ride everybody it's gonna be a ride <laughs> it's gonna be fun we got a great show for you tonight we're gonna be talking about how to unlock creativity in the workplace through the use of human factors and later we're gonna answer some questions in the community about how do you know that human factors is for you uh and talking also about undergraduate certificates in hci being worth it and also what's the best and worst you've x you've experienced this week but first we got some programming notes uh, I do want to go over just quickly our historical approach to um, interviews on this show, uh, Human Factors Cast. So in the past, we've kind of had our interviews focused around conferences, and I think we're still going to do that. Uh, we've also had the occasional one-off interview with somebody doing something interesting. So I know we've done like the Beeline Reader uh, interview with Nick Lum. We've also done, you know, other interviews um, about, you know, different COVID uh, methods that we can employ for communication. We've we've done other kind of standalone interviews, but I think what we're going to do now uh, is since since Barry and I have been collaborating for quite some time, we're going to pass the baton of interviews the standalone interviews over to Barry and his show, and we'll let you know about them here. Uh, we're trying to tie our shows a little bit closer together 
to make it more cohesive for you all, you know, I think Barry and I truly see this as a collaborative effort. And so we are going to start referring to 1202, the Human Factors podcast and Human Factors cast. We've already been doing it, but as sister podcasts, and we're going to start kind of um, just letting you all know what's going on over there and vice versa. Uh, so just to start us off, you know, Barry actually just interviewed friend of the show and past guest, Tony Andre, over on our sister podcast, 1202, the Human Factors podcast, uh, about a wonderful new initiative that he started up. Yeah, and Tony was absolutely brilliant. So he's got a back, an amazing background in building his own company. And I found um, a it quite inspiring because that's a, that's a similar sort of thing to what I've done. Um, but actually, he's done it really su successfully and really really large. But because he's had this focus on healthcare, which is a domain that I've never really been involved with. I hadn't really considered just how much Human Factors was involved um, in what they were doing. So that was brilliant. But he also took the opportunity to announce that he's offering a some free Human Factors support to any company that is supporting the ALS community. So if any healthcare medical company out there is developing either drugs, support, that type of thing around ALS for personal, he's got personal reasons why he's doing that then he's offering that that free support. So if you want to know more about that, get yourself over to 1202 and listen to what he, to his story and why he's doing it and and then get in touch with him. Um, it was great. Really enjoyed it. Thank yeah. you very much for the referral. Yeah. Uh, speaking of healthcare symposium or healthcare in general, we are going to have some coverage of the healthcare symposium for you all. Stay tuned on that. Uh, like I said, we're finalizing some plans on that end with Tony Andre, of all people. Go figure. <laughs> anyway, we know why you're here. You're here for the news. So let's go ahead and get into it. That's right. This is the part of the show all about human factors, news, human, whatever I was going to say. Anyway, human factors, news. Barry, what do we have up this week? <laughs> this week's story is about how employers should nurture relation, uh, friendship and support amongst co-workers to unlock creativity. So... Employers who want to see the creative thinking in their workforce um, should value supportive friendships between colleagues as the key to unlocking more resourcefulness and innovation. The study from the University of Bath School of Management reveals care from co-workers inspires people to be supportive to their partners at home, showing that co-workers have a significant role to play in enabling couples to cope with balancing the demands of work and family life. Employees take the support they receive from co-workers home with them, and in loving relationships, they transfer this support to their partner. This might mean that they encourage them to open up about stresses, to seek re and resolve issues, or to make improvements to the juggle of work and li uh, family life arrangements that benefit the family. Over and above the work policies or interventions by supervisors, it is informal support from co-workers that stands out as having the biggest impact on an individual's ability to manage their work-life balance, spilling over to benefit the partner at home, and in turn, their own creative thinking at work. Research suggests organizations should give employees more flexibility to manage uh, caring cover with a, a colleague without intervention from managers. The research also alerts employees, employers to the pitfalls of working practice and expectation taking a, whole, a toll on home life, encouraging employers to be mindful of the detrimental impacts on relationships. Researchers acknowledge that there could be drawbacks in relying on co-workers for support with home and family matters with partners at home potentially feeling jealous and upset about the closeness of work-spouse relationships. They suggest future research could examine the potential of this relationship dynamic to promote conflict at home. So Nick, how do you think that your work relationships affect your work-life balance? Uh, generally, um, the, I don't know. I, I'm of two minds of this article, and I'm going to briefly 
try to summarize them. On one hand, uh, I see the merit in in trying to foster relationships where people actually care about each other and um, that care being transferred over to personal life. I, I, I see that, right? So like, you know, my, my relationship with the people that I work with uh, is very supportive and understanding and flexible, right? That's kind of the, the tenants by we, that we live by. Uh, we're all remote. And so if something needs to happen during the day, you know, we don't really need each other there to rely on as long as we kind of make the meetings that we're, you know, required to attend and we do the work that we're required to do. It's not a big issue. And so I think that definitely carries over into my personal life where um, that understanding from work uh, and and the people that I work directly with um, certainly carries over, you know, if I need to take care of my son or something while my wife goes to physical therapy or something like that. Right. So I, I, I get it. I understand. On the same note, I'm going to be a little bit critical here. And I'm going to say this is capitalism at its finest, because what makes a, a, a person uh, feel more comfortable at work is good for the company. Might not always be the best for the individual working there because, uh, you know, they might feel an allegiance, uh, some sort of belonging to that company and maybe not seek other opportunities that better serve their end goals. And so I'm, I'm going to be a little bit critical of like, you know, we're like a family here. You can't leave. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. a little bit manipulative. It's a little bit exploitive. And I do also I, I want to bring attention to that. But I, I do see the merit of like having it impact your your uh, home life, too. But, Barry, I'm, I'm interested in what you think, because you run your own company. And and so, like, how do how are you approaching this? It this is such uh, an interesting thing because I've sort of really seen it from both sides. That if I'm part of a team and you know I'm not a senior manager of a team, I've just been you know just Barry part of a team. If you've got some um, some friends that you get on with, I mean, you spend eight hours a day. You know, a significant portion of your waking time during the day with these people a lot, twenty four seven. And if that if you don't have a good relationship, if there's an abrasiveness there, then that just makes eight hours a day really unpleasant. So I can see how from that negative approach that um, if you have a bad relationship at work, you then go home all grumpy and stuff and and that can have can affect your whole life. I get all that. If you've got a really good relationship, that is really, really good as well. You can have a laugh, but I've seen it go too far. And I've, you know, when in my earlier career as well, I've seen it that I've been spent a lot of time thinking that I'm having a good laugh at work uh, with some good friends. But actually I should have been more heads down getting prioritized into work and getting work done because as you say you're there for work to do for a specific reason so doing that it's getting that balance right i think you yes having the support at work is a good thing and it, it i can you know if you've got a good working relationship then fantastic that will spill over on both sides because i i've struggled to see this work life balance i i i I don't like the phrase, I prefer work-life blend because you don't have two discrete bits. It's very difficult just to switch off from one and onto the other. As a manager um, and somebody who runs my own company, um, I can foster the right environment. I can have the breakdown barriers as much as I can, but you can't force this stuff. The only way that I think you can force it, you can, like I say, set the environment, you can have mindful recruitment so I don't just recruit people for the for a position. Um, right, have you got the skills? Yes, but I've also got to have at the back of my mind: Are you going to fit with the team that I've already got, or the, maybe the team I, I hope to make? Whatever you know, whichever perspective you're looking. So you can recruit him for that, but also the person you recruit is not the person you employ. 
Um, you go through interviews and all that sort of stuff. And no matter what happens, no matter how good your interview technique, the person that rocks up is not the same person that you interviewed. Um, they're going to be different. They're going to, um, and that could be positive or negative. So you've also got to be be able to work with that to a certain extent. So that's a really long way around going, well, it depends. Um, but the, the yeah, I think this is, it's it, for me. It's another one of these articles that is saying that that sort of said it's it putting some research behind stuff that we probably already knew um, and is already kind of there. Um, and I don't think there's actually that much we can do about it. If I'm being brutally honest. Yeah, I mean, anyway, right, show over, done. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. All right, thanks everyone. Um, so, look, I think this is. If we didn't pick the story. You all picked the story. I think. I think. Uh, let's let's get that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> with that, with that, look, like it, it, it is an interesting. This mm. is really interesting when you when you really break it down from the science or psychology really behind workplace relationships. And I think there's a couple things that we can kind of say to level set this conversation. And we'll kind of look at the human factors and psychology behind uh, these workplace relationships as kind of a base. Uh, to, to like we normally do, we kind of look at these stories through a frame and this is the frame this week, right? So like, let's, let's level set here. You know, the, you, you mentioned that you can't force these things, but really the workplace is one of the few environments in which people are forced into these relationships. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, by their very nature, these environments in the workplace are made up by a bunch of people from a bunch of different backgrounds, diverse people, uh, many who might not actually have similar interests in real life um, or some that might not be actually interested in meeting or socializing outside of the workplace. Like, like you said, you know, you can't force this thing. People are different when they show up. And a lot of times, you know, in interviews, you'll try to get like a, a, a personality fit as well to see mm -hmm. if they'll fit with the culture. And, you know, I think basically if we break this down, right. Um, thinking of from from the company side, their a, a company's greatest asset is their employees, and I think you know anyone who thinks otherwise is uh, <laughs> not running a great business. And so um, you have to approach this with the idea that not all these people are going to work together uh, at one hundred percent all the time, right? There, there's going to be disagreements and there's going to be conflict. And so um, what you can do, obviously, is employ some of these some factors, psychology methods. And so, you know, we'll kind of break this down in a couple chunks. I don't know. Do you, do you want to start with kind of what is, is a positive relationship at work? Yeah. I mean, to sort of look at this high level. So psychologists have long identified that the desire to feel connected with others is a ba you know, it's a basic human need is what we do as people and interpersonal relationships have a significant impact on our mental health, our health behavior, our physical health and, and mortality risk. So we categorize our relationships in the workplace by cooperation, trust, and fairness. When we do that, the reward center of the brain is activated. Uh, it encourages future interactions that promote employee trust, respect, and confidence. And that means that employees believe that the best in each other and, and, and really want to inspire each other in, into their performance. So to put that simply, when um, employees experience positive relationships, the body's ability to maintain, build, and repair itself is, is improved both in and out of the workplace. So the psychology is there to sort of, again, prove that positive relationships are, at work are a good thing. Do you want to dive into uh, why it's so important for a workplace? Yeah, and I'll just add to that last one. It kind of reinforces the point that we're talking about with the with 
the main article of today's show, you know, it, it's saying that if you bring home those positive experiences, those positive relationships, you're going to have a better home home life as well, because you're not kind of worried about the same stressors at work of dealing with people. So, yeah, let's let's look at some of these positive interactions um, at the workplace and why it's so important. Right. So, you know, you are um, sort of experiencing these varying and dynamic uh degrees of a relationship. You might have somebody that you really gel with and you could sit here and talk on a podcast for an hour and it's like you're talking to your best friend and, you know, shooting the shit, just talking a podcast. And then you have somebody else who it's just absolutely grating to work with and you got to slug through every meeting and you dread those meetings. So you're, you have the spectrum of quality of people that you work with. Um, and that's any interpersonal relationship that's outside of the workplace too. You know, obviously there are some people that you um, get along with better. Anyway, it, we're talking about just in the workplace here. Right. And so if you think about it at the sort of one extreme of the spectrum, the best side of things, right. Interactions can be um, source of enrichment. It can be uh, give you vitality that kind of helps you encourage um, individuals or groups or organizations really to uh, thrive and flourish as you know, as we're talking about in, in, with respect to this article, you also have, um, sort of these, these relationships are characterized as like a pursuit of rewarding and desirable outcomes, right? These at the best end of the spectrum and at the other end of the spectrum, the negative ones, right? You're kind of, um, these are characterized by thoughts of like being unwelcome or punishing, uh, to work with those types of people. And so when we think about positive interactions in the workplace, um, you know, it, it really does impact several things like job satisfaction. Um, it actually really increases uh, or I guess it influences staff turnover. Right. So the more uh, positive you see your coworkers or the, the more you see them like a family. This is kind of my criticism at the top of this. The less you're likely to turn over um, or, or have turnover within the company. Right. So. Um, the more support you get from your colleagues, the the more likely you're going to stay there for a long time. There's also, you know, some of these positive interactions between supportive coworkers. They can actually help with um, clarifying some tasks or improve um, other people's individual uh, understanding of what their role is. And so the more it, it all comes down to that communication piece. The more you can kind of, um, the the more you can kind of communicate about. Uh, what you are doing in your workplace with somebody else that you're working with, the better your performance will be, right? And that's kind of ultimately what we're talking about here is how uh, how, how these relationships can improve human performance when it comes to workplace. So let's talk about, um, we're, we're uh, sort of looking at positive interactions here still. These things are marked by trust, by mutual regard, active engagement, and interactions that are characterized this way can improve awareness of others, foster positive emotions such as empathy, compassion, and increase the likelihood of trusting, respectful engagement between individuals. If it's not clear, I'm reading. This is uh, from a paper from Rosales 2016. Um, so go go take a look at that. But a lot of this is summarized in the statement that I just made. And And with all these positive interactions, right, this can unsurprisingly leave uh, sort of a detrimental effect on um, an employee's well-being, uh, social relationships at work that are disrespectful or um, tr distrustful 
kind of the other end of the spectrum, right? The the, the negative actor, so to speak, um, th- they can have kind of the opposite impact there. Uh, and so, you know, the the last points here is that the more time that we spend at work, um, we spend a lot of time at work. And so we have to really think about the relationships that we have with others in the workplace uh, to succeed. Um, and so I, I don't know. Is there anything else that you want to add to this kind of long winded explanation of positive <laughs> interactions at the workplace? I guess there's just one sort of thing, I think, that we talk about a lot about positive relationships and productivity. Uh, sorry, our, our own personal performance. But what it doesn't actually hit on very much is productivity. Because um, sometimes, if everybody's having a good loving um, as a team, that doesn't necessarily mean you're being massively productive. Because actually, sometimes having a negative actor um, in the room, as annoying as it can be, can actually make you better at what you do. Um, yeah. Normally, it's it's an inter-team thing to a certain extent. So I've had it where I've been working with certain engineers, and um, before they realise that I'm also an engineer, and and we we, we come across as you know, um, Satan's wrath and things like that. And it's, they're, um, they're like, what are you doing? Tell me what to do. And so that you almost have that playoff between each other where I was like, actually, I'm going to use this to make us better. Um, and so th- there is a bit of a, you know, not necessarily all negative is bad, uh, but you just got to know how to use it. But I think there is a difference there between getting the productivity out of an organization and getting good cohesive team working, working together. Um, I mean, I think when you look at how to, foster employee interaction i think it's as i said before i don't think this is a thing you can you can't force people to like each other um but you can create an environment that makes it more likely or at least give give it the opportunities to do so you know giving people the opportunities to to actually chat with each other to have a brew with each other um um have, have coffee tea you know have, have breaks with each other eat together that type of thing um Relationship with colleagues were the number one contributor for employee engage for employee engagement, with seventy seven percent of respondents listing that workplace connections are a priority for where you're at. Um, leaders and managers need to determine positive ways of engaging with them sort of relationships, and I've I've sort of been there before where I've worked in organisations where they're like, no, no, you don't need to do any of that. No motivation. I mean, a really good example. I, I had a team where I would go and give them, a, you know. A, couple of times a day right everybody down what you're doing let's go to the kitchen have a brew um 10 minutes just banter in the in the coffee and i i got pulled aside by a senior manager said you can't do that they're they're, they're not working and that means they're not working hard enough and and you know that well not really because we 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 thrashing them to win within within an inch of their lives um this is my call i want to do this you can't do that okay doesn't mean but i'll i'll be honest i think productivity will go down i think i don't think we'll get it get enough out of it um and yeah so we had a, had a long discussion around it and i think it's it's important to try and create it so yeah i think there's you you've got to work at it i think you've got to allow it to happen um basically removing the barriers that limit social interactions um and that there's there's a whole swathe of what they can be um everything from um you know how you how you plan out an office, how you where you cite your teams and that type of thing, but you've also got to create opportunities um, for employees to engage with each other. And and again, there's a whole bunch of ways of making that happen. Everything from you know just having drop-in days, having um, breakout rooms that you encourage people to go and have coffees and things like that. So yeah, I think I think we, it's something that that does need to be done. Um, 
have you got any thoughts around uh have you, have you had a um, an employee interaction that you felt was too forced or um, that, you, that you didn't think was good enough or a really good example of good practice? So good, good questions. Um, yeah, my experience with this has been wide ranging. So I think when you build it into work, it works well. Like for me, I make a point to spend about 10% of my time. So if it's an hour long meeting, that's six minutes. Um catching up with the person and really starting to like develop a relationship with them. Right. So like, uh, and I think that's really important too, because then you come from a place of understanding with who you're working with. You understand kind of what is going on in their personal lives. It gives you awareness that if there is something going on in their personal lives, maybe give, give them a little slack. Right. Especially with the state of the world right now, I work at a global company. And so there's a lot of people affected by what's going on by world events. And so, um, you know, I might say, hey, look, like, it's totally fine. You don't need to get any. Nothing's urgent. Right. Like you take care of you first. It's something really important to do. So 10 percent of your time, I'd say is a good baseline. Um, if you're working, you know, a 40 hour work week, uh, four hours a week, you know, that's yeah. that's a, seems like a lot of time from a productivity standpoint. But if you are kind of investing in those relationships, um, I think it's totally, totally worth it uh, in terms of my experience with this, like. It's like I said, when it when it happens at work, when it's built in, it is pretty great when it's forced outside of work hours. Like, hey, let's go out for a a happy hour afterwards. I'm like, well, I got a two hour commute. I got to get home. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't I don't want to sit here because if I sit here, I I leave early because I have a commute and I come in early because I have a commute. I don't want to sit here and like have to wait, you know, three hours in traffic instead of the normal one and a half. Like, let me go. And it it really kind of limits um, your sort of interactions. Likewise, if you're on like a work travel, I don't know that that technically could all be considered work, but I don't know. Like if you're going to lunch with everybody, that's fine. But like drinks at night, I like it's fine. But at the same time, maybe I just want to sit in my hotel room. Don't put the, don't, you know, don't put the, uh, I guess stress on me to make that decision. Like, um, I don't know. It, it varies. And, you know, I could, I could, I could love the people that I'm hanging out with. Uh, but just, I don't, I want to hang out in my hotel room. Like, can we just hang out in a hotel and hang out? Like, I, I don't want to go out and do that. Like, uh, it just seems like a hassle. We got to find a Uber. We got to go to find a bar. We got to, like, you know, go, go to the thing. And yeah, it could be fun. And it is fun most of the time. But again, like, what if I just want to hang out in the hotel room and watch, you know, the local news because that's something you don't get everywhere anyway that's my that's my two cents yeah no, i think you're actually right it's one of these things as well especially if you're doing long-term work with people so yeah you know a bit, a bit of short-term business quick business trip fine yeah you go and do that and maybe one night or something like that and do that. but i went through a stage i think it was five years i was on on a secondment and basically three nights a week we were expected to because i was with senior management you know that they would go out and eat their best restaurants and all this sort of stuff and i was expected to join them all the time and i was like well, okay, last night was fine. Tonight's getting a bit forced. Tomorrow night is, oh, geez. Um, yeah. Week after week after week after week. And um, yeah, I, w- I felt like I was at work from, you know, we, I'd start uh, six o'clock in the morning and then you were out with them in the evening until, you know, 10 o'clock at night and then back at six, six o'clock in the morning. And you're like, wow, they're, they're full on days. But <laughs> as, a, as a junior mem- junior member at the time i was like well surely i have to do this if i'm going to go get to succeed them and i was like in hindsight i wish i just turned around and said you know what you you go and you you do you 
um i'm going to go and do something else but uh, yeah well i mean yeah when you're junior too you have that fomo if you're missing Mm -hmm. out and it's like well do i i need to be there because i need to advance my career somehow so i need to make these connections and i need to i need to be there i need to show face and yeah you're right it's just like what are you missing um and so like i i agree and uh I'm glad you said the dinners thing because it's like sometimes I just want to pocket my per diem and you know, like eat at yeah. McDonald's or whatever. <laughs> I don't want to eat fancy dinner with y'all. I want to just you know. I mean, this is easy. but this, this is a, a thing that I think we always put it on the on the employee or the the junior person to say, "Oh no, you should you should you should have the um, the guts to stand up and say, no, no, I don't want to go out tonight. It's fine.' Actually, no, it's a leader's issue." of of highlight of realizing that maybe the person is there because they think that they have to be there to impress you not because um that they actually want to be there why don't you turn around and say look you guys go and do i'm going to go and do something else you guys go and have some time by yourselves do what, what it is that you want to do and let them do it they don't <laughs> they don't necessarily want to be there at your beck and call because they feel like they have to be there anyway right. I think i've done that to death <laughs> yeah so i mean i i think we talked a little bit about planning sort of these collaborative events, right? I mean, uh, my rule, like I said, was 10% of the time, if you build it into the work week, you know, an hour long social a week where you just kind of decompress, I think that could be really beneficial, you know, in the rest of the three hours, spend it, you know, at the beginning of meetings or something. Like I said, 10% doesn't take much. I think, you know, people will appreciate that too. Um, set aside that time for employees to interact. And you mentioned leadership and I do you want to talk about leading by example? Cause you are a leader. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you're right. And it's, you have to, I think a lot of people think that the whole leadership thing, it's just a natural thing and people do it by osmosis and all that sort of stuff that you have to work at it. Nobody has, um, even me, I don't think I'm a perfect leader. I know that's hard to believe, but, um, you know what I mean? It's it, you've got to work at it. You've got to be reflective, and you get things wrong. Um, you've got to be able to go back and and, and re, you know actively be reflecting on what are people telling me, what are people saying, and what are people actually actually saying? What what are they actually telling me? Do they actually want to come out and do stuff or not? Are they, do they feel like they have to do it and and things like that? So um, you've got to be you've got to be aware of your team, um, and it doesn't just happen. Yeah. I don't know. Do we want to talk about the PERMA model? I think it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, so there's this model called PERMA, P-E-R-M-A. Uh, and it kind of hi- highlights five of these critical elements for mental well-being, right? We talked about mental well-being a couple weeks ago. So this is a good tie-in to that. I think it's good to have, right? And so if you think about this from a from a business perspective, from a company perspective, from workplace perspective, you know, you can think about these leaders implementing something like this to have a positive culture that encourages that belonging. Um, and so when we talk about PERMA, it's an it's an acronym. It stands for positive emotion. That's the P. Then you have E is for engagement, and then you have uh, M is for meaning. A is for achieving accomplishment. There's a second P in there. Uh, so I don't I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> the five elements of the PERMA model are positive emotion, engagement, positive relationships, meaning and achievement or accomplishment. I'm not sure what the R is supposed to be. Relationships, maybe. Relationships um, and, of a positive nature. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So we just <laughs> improve the PERMA model. Can we can we get a source? Uh, get a paper on that so 
So if you think about that and and sort of implement these things, making sure that people are happy at work, making sure they're engaged with others, making sure that they have positive relationships with the people that they work for, making sure that their work feels like they're working on something important. Uh, I think that's a big one, right? A lot of people kind of lose sight of what they're doing uh, and that you could really make a difference. Um, and then sort of achievement and accomplishment, that is a whole separate conversation for a different time, but just making sure that people feel like they're accomplishing something or achieving some of their personal or professional goals. So um, what's the take-home message of all this, Barry? Fundamentally, any and every organization or individual can encourage decent, um, positive employee interaction by developing an inclusive workplace culture. And everybody can do that. Everybody can contribute towards that. Um, promote positive social interactions, um, social, uh, good workplace relationships. They can all be a, a source of individual and collective growth, learning and flourishing. You can foster the environment to make it happen. You can't force it to make it happen. Um, and you've, you've got to work with what you've got, keep your eyes open. And, and it's, a, it's a live, active thing. You, it doesn't, you've got to work at it. Um, but it can be done. And it's a good thing if you can make it happen. Yeah. So in terms of through the lens of this article of creativity at at work, right? I think I think ultimately all these things that we just talked about are feeding into sort of the resourcefulness and innovation that this article is talking about. If you sort of have this support network at work, you are much more likely to sort of experience this these innovative ideas and uh, resourcefulness at work based on, you know, being comfortable with the people that you're working with. And I think, I think, you know, we, that makes sense, right? I mean, we, we talked about, um, I feel like we talked about this a while ago, right? D does uh, sort of what is, what fosters innovation, right? And we ultimately, mm -hmm. what ultimately uh, it comes down to is this leadership. And I think a lot of that comes with interpersonal relationships at work, right? Uh, for everyone's reference, what I'm talking about here is episode 224. We're talking about specifically remote working, fostering innovation, but really that whole conversation was about leadership. So go listen to that one if you're interested in that conversation. Um, Barry, any closing thoughts on on workplace relationships as it relates to creativity or anything like that? I think that what you just said is absolutely true in that um, if you do this right, then yes, it can promote creativity and, um, and innovation. However, if the roles aren't creative or innovative, then you're not going to get anything for free. It doesn't create it. It just it fosters it and it allows it. It doesn't trap it. So, yes, go make yeah. it happen. Thank you to our patrons and everyone who voted on Twitter uh, for selecting our topic this week. And thank you to our friends over at the University of Bath once again for our news story this week. If you want to follow along, we do post the links to all the original articles on our weekly roundups. You can find those on our blog. You can also join us on our Discord if you want to talk more about these topics and how your workplace experience has been thus far. We're going to take, to take a quick break and we'll be back to see what's going on in the Human Factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. 
Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Yes, huge thank you, as always, to our patrons and everyone who supports the show, especially our honorary Human Factors cast staff patron, uh, Michelle Tripp. Patrons like you keep the show running. Thank you so much for your continued support. Uh, I want to take a little detour. We mention this from time to time because our treasurer likes to get on me about what we sort of, I don't, this isn't really an advertisement. This is like letting you all know what we have. Um, we, they gave me a script. I, I read the script every time because <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Do you know we have a merch store? Some neat designs over there that includes <laughs> It Depends shirts, a show logo. Uh, I'm not wearing the hoodie, but it's, uh, you know, it's the logo and you can get it on a hoodie. <laughs> other, other cool designs based in human factors culture. Do you want to support the show and look good doing it? Check out the Human Factors Cast store. But seriously, though, I mean, I, th- we do have some cool designs out there. Um, one of my favorites is I'm going to Human Factors the shit out of this, uh, you know, referencing <laughs> The Martian. Uh, and so you can you can check out all the designs. We have a link to our store on our website. That's humanfactorscast.media. Uh, you can also just go and and search for Human Factors Cast store. Um, there's some cool stuff on there. I'm, I'm looking through now. Uh, the, it depends shirt is is always a favorite you got uh human factors cast polos you got an apron um <laughs> i feel like one of these days you and i should just wear aprons Apron. uh and nothing else and that would sell the video part of this show um open okay, up an only fans and and call it <laughs> uh also looking through some of these designs oh yes we have our favorite i can't even believe i forgot this we put our favorite review uh as a oh, as a post on um so you can actually wear our favorite review of the show uh, as merchandise uh cool. and just for everyone's awareness the review reads as such like so like you like and like so if you want to listen to a couple sophomoric boring bros drone on this is for you that some of these guys could in any way represent human factors as a profession is truly terrifying so that is our favorite review please go uh support the show by buying merch of that review um, we love that review. And if you if you disagree with that review, please leave us one that yes. doesn't say that. <laughs> yes. That'll really help the show. Anyway, if let's move do, on. You, I'm say if you do agree with it, move on. Uh, yeah. yeah, if you do move, move along. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> I think it's time that we get into this next part of the show we like to call. It came from. It came from. All right, let's switch gears and get to It Came From. This is where two sophomoric bros break down all over the internet. (laughs) Look all over the internet to bring you topics that uh, the community is talking about. If you find any of these answers useful, give us a like wherever you're watching uh, to help other people find these answers. So the first one tonight is, uh, how do you know that Human Factors is for you? We're starting off with uh, one from the Human Factors subreddit. This is by uh, Ham S. Shalove. Hamesha love? I'm going to say that wrong. I'm really sorry. Uh, hello, everyone. Are there any sort of indicators or experiences you've experienced in your duration of study or at work 
when you realized human factors was the field for you. And I think one thing, Barry, that we can do here is kind of like, what is our origin story? What got us into the field? You know, that kind of thing. Um, because we host a podcast on human factors and we realize it every week. I don't know. <laughs> when did you discover human factors and when did you realize it was for you? So I didn't realize it, but I, I first discovered human factors when I was doing my uh, com degree in command and control engineering, when I was doing a module on UI design. And, um, and I was like, it just felt like it was so intuitive to me that I kind of knew where things should go, what things should do and what a decent UI should look like. Um, so that was my s first sort of exposure to it. But I think where it really came from was after I was my first industrial job where I actually went into a, an aerospace company to be a, um, a software engineer in their um, cockpit group um, for, for this aerospace company. So they were doing future UI designs and I was just there to, to code them up. Um, and I was sort of get then getting into, so I was, you, I was one of two software engineers and the, um, the rest of the team were doing design and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, Oh, I'm really into this. And I was like coming up with my own designs for interfaces and realizing that they weren't completely stupid. Um, but the more I was learning, the more I was like, Oh, this is, you know, learning more about physiology and, and all that and the psychology behind how things work and even little things like how to design things for colorblindness and, and all that sort of stuff. It was all just sort of coming together. And I was like, this is it. I, I need to, everything that I've been doing today has just been, felt like turning the handle, whereas this felt inspirational. And and so I spoke to my line manager at the time, a um, an awesome lady called Alison Starr. Um, and I was like, I, 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 what is this? What is this human factor stuff you talk about? Um, what is the breadth of it? And she's like, well, if you're wanting to learn more about it you know i could mentor you a bit and and so we did that um and then it kind of then accelerated from there i got made redundant from that role um the entire human factors piece got made redundant not just me um and then i went to um another company where i actually just went and applied there as human factors and and as a in, into the human factors department into their research department and they were like yes but i've been working with them already so so they knew me and I knew that um, what my background was, et cetera. And they're like, oh, yes, of course, come, come along. And then stuck with them for eight years and just learned and hoovered up information and bags and bags of just broad experiences, all uh, dabbling in the human factors domain. And um, and then, yeah, it, it was sort of, it, but it was that, it, I think it was that moment of knowing that actually what I was looking at was just intuitive to me was something that it just made sense that whereas I, I could code I could do all that sort of stuff that was fine but I was kind of doing it because I felt I should and, and I had to whereas developing this design work develop, and thinking about how people would interact with it would just seem to be like well duh um, and it was almost a shock when you then look at other people and go well why don't you think like this isn't this just common sense and then that's the that's the sparkle moment of actually yeah common sense isn't ubiquitous um, it's just common sense yeah so i wonder where i've seen that yeah quite um so well it depends where you look doesn't it <laughs> yeah um what about you Wait, when did you get that sparkle of um the human factors was the thing yeah i want to i want to mention something because you mentioned mentorship and i do want to kind of again call out our discord um there's a lot of us in there kind of uh that are willing to provide mentorship and like, seriously, I'm I'm happy to provide that for anyone who wants to. I can take a few people under my wing and kind of tell you how the real world is and all that stuff. Um, please reach out to us on uh, the, the Discord or anything like that. Like it, it's it's one 
professional joy that I get a lot of thing, uh, a lot of satisfaction out of. Anyway, with that out of the way, um, I've told this story before on the show, but I think it bears repeating because uh, not everybody listens to every episode. So for me, kind of the thing that I thought uh, was the moment it clicked was, you know, I went to grad school for something very different than human factors. I went because I wanted to study VR and our perception of virtual environments and um, use kind of cognitive psychology to understand that. And the person that I wanted to work with was in a human factors graduate program. And so a lot of my training and skill set came from kind of the periphery of what I was studying at the time. And for me, the moment came when, you know, in undergrad, I was interacting with a lot of people who wanted to go the clinical route. And there were very few kind of cognitive people in that group. And I was more of a social uh, psychology, you know, perspective at that time. I still carry a lot of that with me today, obviously, with messaging and communication. Uh, and so uh, for me, it was when I got to my graduate program and a lot of people were speaking the same language as me. Um, and I'm not just talking about English. I'm talking about, you know, I could say uh, terminology that I that maybe others in undergrad wouldn't understand, right? Something like um, like IPD and interpupillary distance, by the way, uh, for for you know the things that I was studying, and people would just understand. I didn't have to stop and explain it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had done you know some preliminary research on human factors before I had got there. I thought, yes, this is interesting. But when I got into that program, that's when I was like, okay, you know, this is this is awesome. And I might not need to do our VR or I could do, you know, VR in that space. But um, so so for me, it was like when people started speaking my same language and uh, that was really when I was like, okay, yes, this is this is it. This is the thing I want to do (laughs) because people are talking uh, in a way that is, you know, I, I, I don't sound crazy over here like the psychologist uh, who's, who's trying to explain human behavior because they just get it. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that I could, you know, sit and chat with all of them and, and they got excited about it and I got excited about it by ter- in turn, you know, I think that's what did it for me. Um, all right, let's move on to this next one here. This one is, is an undergraduate certificate in human-computer interaction worth it? This is from the HCI subreddit. This is by Jer underscore A. What is the likelihood that I would be able to get a job with the undergraduate certificate? I work in the veterinary research field and have an associates, but I'm considering switching career fields. Currently employed by a university that offers an undergraduate HCI certificate, and my tuition would be discounted, so I figured it might be advantageous to pursue. I'm also considering taking a web mobile development boot camp. Should I pursue that over an HCI certificate? Uh, Barry, what's your thoughts on uh, certifications and degrees and uh, boot camps and all that stuff? Let's let's kind of use that as the frame. Yeah, I think it. Well, that, where, where's the button? It depends, doesn't it? it what is he? What does he want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, does it? But fundamentally, does the content of the HCI course um, excite you? If it excites you, do it. If you think it's just there and it, oh, it's boring and but I'll get a certificate at the end of it, don't do it because it's not for you. Um, if it, if you're doing it just to as a, as an addition and you it could be vaguely interesting, then then crack on. But I think certificates and that are really you know basically the whole degree course, all that sort of stuff. Doing a um, I would say a formal approach to human factors and and all you know in, in its entirety. Um, 
certainly getting the good academic grounding is is really good it's really advantageous there is um if you know it's what you want to do in the future then it will save you a lot of time learning after the fact learning on the job is great but it's not i think there is if you can have some of them them underpinning concepts it saves you a lot of time in the long term that said um i did none of that um all of my work has been picked up on the job um pretty much and on basically my own self-study and practicing thing so it's possible and and now i run my own company doing it so i clearly haven't messed it up that much so whilst i think if you've got the opportunity to do it and being a human practice person and particularly an hci person um I, I'm, I'm quite partial to designing the odd interface um that's where my love lies if i don't if i had the opportunity to do that when i was younger i would Give it, going back in time, knowing what I know now, I would absolutely go go ahead and do it. Um, but you gotta you've got to do you. Um, at this point in time, you don't know what you're going to do in the future. Go with what go with what 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 inspires you. What what drives you a bit. Um, if it's inspiring, do it. If it's not, don't force yourself because there's absolutely no point. Nick, tell me tell me I'm wrong. Do, do, what what approach would you take? Jeez. Uh, so look, I'm. Uh, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm a little critical of boot camps. Um, I think in a way they could, they could be a good way to get your feet wet. Uh, so to speak, if you are interested in it and want to experience some of what that is like, that could be a good opportunity for you. Although I do struggle with that a little bit because I, th this is, this is my opinion. Uh, and I think that boot camps are created by people who want your money because they want you to take the quick and easy route, which by the way, there is none um, to, to get to the place that you want to be. And is that going to take place at school? I mean, like you could certainly get the experience at a job that, you know, on the job experience, that is one way to go about it. You'd also frame your research, your research in the vet field, right. About like, you know, you've, you've done work, you've done human factors, but for pets, like there's, there's ways to like frame it. And, you know, you could under, you could, I don't know, you could spin it to the point where you could almost get a job depending on how you spin your research or your, your past experience. Look, my, my ultimate point here is I'm critical of boot camps. Uh, they're a great way to get your feet wet, but not the end all be all for, um, for training. And I think, you know, you're talking about one weekend versus many, many months and years of of uh, school or on the job experience. I think there's a very different uh, skill set that you get from both of those. Right. And so you might take several boot camps and be down several thousand dollars. Uh, but, you know, other people who, <laughs> who have names in the field are much more richer because they've taken your money. So I don't I don't know. Um, like that's kind of my thoughts on it. Uh, so you can join my boot camp uh, starting next week and uh, in podcast technology and stand online and, for as long as you can. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, that's, that's my two cents on it. Uh, the last one here. Uh, what, what's the best and worst UX you've experienced this week and why this is by Nasdaqian on the user experience subreddit. Uh, they, they have provided examples here. Um, there, there's was uh, covidtest.gov. Uh, it was sort of the uh, easiest government site they had ever used. Two steps, less than 30 seconds to complete their goal. Uh, the worst was uh, HBO Max. Uh, the information hierarchy is awful. 
and incredibly difficult to change seasons and episodes, especially when already viewing one. So, Barry, what is your favorite UX uh, you've experienced this week? And what is your least favorite? I think my favorite has to be... Hmm, what is my favorite? Actually, my favorite has to be my washing machine this week, which I'm moving from one place to another. And actually, the ability to switch it off, unhook it, get it all squared away was surprisingly simple. Um, more simple than I've, I've seen previous ones done before. So that was fine. The The worst one I've done this week is I've been playing around with some electronic devices and trying to code buttons up into them and things like that. And and finding that element of doing the coding. I mean, granted, I haven't touched coding in a while, but this wasn't true coding. It was quite simple. But just the um, there were some frustrating elements to it where the, the intuitiveness was lost. Um, I would put a slight third one in there um on a negative which is which i'm going to throw at amazon prime um because every time you, when you watch a series on amazon prime that you have to put the um, put your pin code in for the age restriction uh, if you're on netflix you just put it in once and it, it goes and streams your thing with amazon prime, you have to put it in every single time and that's really irritating um so that's annoying um what about you what's what's your <laughs> today what's your best and worst um mm. Uh, UX that you've uh, experienced. Uh, the I, I I'm gonna this is gonna be a couple weeks uh, span, so it's not just today or this week, but I'm gonna do a couple weeks, right? So, um, I will say for my dentist, I was able to fill out all my information ahead of time and type it all up, uh, and really sort of just get ahead of the curve and you know f- fill out all that information ahead of time, typing it up, which Ooh. great. By contrast, went to the dentist with my son this morning and my wife had to write out everything manually. So I didn't experience it, but I saw her hand cramping. And um, so I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with the ease of being able to type up ahead of time everything that you need to put in information wise uh, and not have to. It's uh, that's kind of the best and worst I've experienced this week. And it's very convenient to have everything kind of. sent to you in a link where you can just fill it out. Um, very different experiences. All right. Uh, let's get into this last part of the show. It needs no introduction. It's just one more thing. Barry, what is your one more thing this week? So my one more thing this week, I went on holiday last week, which was amazing. But the really frustrating thing was we had this hob and cooker system that just took forever to use. It was com- compiled with long presses, short presses, you it was there was no continuity between where you had to uh press it was like sort of a glass touch screen thing um and fundamentally you, i just couldn't help thinking go on. yeah you you posted this in discord i was going to say because i put it on discord to try and um see if i was just going mad enough whether other people had had it um but it, it was just this idea and i guess fundamentally oh it got me thinking to all the appliances in my kitchen notwithstanding what i just said about the um um washing machine and hooking um but fundamentally a lot of the these appliances they just don't seem to have human factors or ux people involved you seem to have such a combination of weird push buttons and some you know the combination stuff you have to do there seems to be no continuity between either on the machines themselves or across kitchens um with the with i guess i guess a couple of notable exceptions but um yeah why don't appliance manufacturers employ ux people and if you do why you're not doing more about this because i'm finding it very frustrating thank you for that that that, that was my little bit of therapy nick what about you (laughs) wow put putting those appliance companies out on blast um well we we talked a little bit about this in the 
pre-show, uh, I've had a couple really busy days over the last like week and a half and um, met with some challenging technical issues as well as some other things in my personal life. And so uh, I'm going on my own holiday this weekend, um, taking an extended weekend. Woo! Four days. I mean, it's not much, but it's like well needed. Um, you know, I, I think it's just I, I don't really have anything else to say other than, wow, uh, sometimes just things are rough and i'm glad that we fixed the technical issues and i'm happy to say that because we're here at the end of the show and that's it for today everyone if you like this episode and enjoy some of the discussion around uh especially innovation and fostering creativity at the workplace i'll encourage you all to go listen to episode 224 does remote working foster innovation uh you can comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week for into that in-depth discussion we'll invite you to our discord community where we can uh talk uh, ad nauseum about some of these issues you know you can always visit our official website sign up for our newsletter stay up to date with all the latest human factors news if you like what you hear you want to support the show you can leave us a review don't say it's two sophomoric bros just talking about and that we're you know sorry excuses of human factor professionals you can always do that you can leave <laughs> or do i don't know it'll give us another shirt idea uh, you can tell your friends about us uh, that helps the show grow. You can always consider supporting us on Patreon. That really helps the show because it helps pay for the stuff behind the scenes. Uh, and as always, links to all of our socials and website are in the description of this episode, along with 1202, the Human Factors podcast. I want to thank Mr. Barry Kirby for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about creativity? If you want to talk about creativity, come find me on Twitter. I'm at Baz underscore K. Or come listen to my latest murmurings on 1202, the Human Facts Podcast. As Nick says, it's 1202podcast.com. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. Until next time. It depends. Okay. And uh, here's the post show, I guess. Uh, we've We were talking in the interim. So, yeah, uh, I completely forgot. <laughs> it's okay. This is the post show uh, of the post show. <laughs> yeah, this is the post show of the show that we just did. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. And if you're clicking through to this, then I really appreciate that because it's, uh, it's you've too- now clicked a couple times, depending on what platform you're on. Um, uh, I was going to mention to you, Barry, that like, yes. So, so we were talking before the the post pre post show. Post pre post show, yeah, just then, <laughs> it was just before we hit started recording yes. here. But after the show, we were talking about how, uh, like people are referring to our podcast in real life, and um, it's sometimes confusing because uh, something will come up where, um, you know, they'll mention something that you said ages ago, and uh, you know, for me, uh, a lot of times, um, when like we'll have somebody return to the show, like Brian. Uh, who was on a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Um. You know, I'll I'll mention it, it wasn't Brian that said this, but you know, when somebody's been on the show for a while after they haven't been, um, I'll usually like you know call up what the last episode they were on and all that stuff, and they're like, "How do you remember that?" And I'm like, "I don't remember it. I look it up. I I search through our website." And same thing with like topics, right? So if like that creativity one, I'll like go in and search and be like, "Creativity." Uh, I know we talked about it uh before and it's like oh yeah no we talked about it during this one and you should go listen to that uh so it's just a lot of me looking stuff up but people yes on the street well not on the street no no one's coming up to me and go oh you're nick rome from human factors cast um but at professional conferences and uh networking events it happens (laughs) yeah oh yes can you still see i've just had to think 
I realize we're not I'm doing not music. Booking issues again. But no, I'm good. Ooh, well, I'm I'm music. certainly glad that the no, be it's. Um... Oh, I was just gonna say I'm certainly glad that the network issues waited until after the show. <laughs> okay. No, I think for some reason again, mine is dropping um, right down to I've got a measly three out of ten. So we shall. If I disappear yes. and, and that sort of, stuff, then that's why. So. Then it's my turn to pick up the slack. You are frozen on my screen, but I can hear you. So uh, well, that's what I have before. I that, that must mean that I'm probably going to fade away into nothing. You're you're moving beautifully um, on my okay. screen. So um, great. I, th I think we might we might need to um, contact Restream and say what you're playing at. You're, you're messing with us. What the hell? Um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, this this is going to be a little bit of a. Um, shorter post show i think oh you're back okay this is going to be a little bit shorter of a post show i have something that i need to get to at uh three o'clock my time which i know this is probably um i don't know what this is probably wait 30 after for everyone watching and we've had 17 minutes or 15 minutes i guess of 15 to 17 minutes of uh of interruption issues between mm. recordings so uh just stick with us <laughs> you know it's it's weird that the the issues happen on the recording one when you know when we go live it's it's mostly just uh issues like selecting a mic or i wonder if they prioritize the streams differently um so if you're doing live and that because you know it's prim primarily a restream service therefore they probably prioritize that over so I, this is why I, when I do my podcast recording, I use this as, as a studio. I, I, I don't do it live. Right. Um, and I notice that I get um, a, a lesser performance or not, not quite as an optimum performance, shall we say. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, but, um, but it's still, I still like the, um, I still like the setup. I, I, I used it today to um, pre-record a bit for the CIHF conference next month. So Yes, that's awesome it's gonna be exciting um yeah i'm talking a lot at that conference well certainly the first day um yeah the the, the first session is sustainability and i think out of the six sessions i'm, I'm speaking or my content is in at least four of them wow look um, at that uh, it might as well just be called the the, the barry the, the bitter barry it's uh i mean it's an honor to have you on the show because uh i, I it's been a while since i presented at a conference um <laughs> it's been a long while when did i Last present. Oh no, I presented last year because um, I did my. So that was the that was actually the bit of it was a combination of things that kickstarted this idea of climate ergonomics. I published a paper on public perception of air pollution um, yeah. and around that, and then the the institute lecture was around was by a lady called Professor Sarah Shabbles, and she was to, she basically turned around and said, "Why are we not taking human factors and taking it to the next level? Why are we not solving bigger problems?" And that's when I was like, wait, whoa, hold on a second. Um, you know, the biggest problem we face is is climate change. Right. Why can we not why can we not apply human factors to that? And suddenly I was sat there with a with a glass of wine, if I'm honest, and just went ding. And um and that then that sort of made me invest a shed load of money this I, I sort of I had a brief calculations of how much how much money I've invested in climate ergonomics, you know, as a company in because obviously we've done it all pro bono, we you know, we've just Right done it and i realized how much we've, we've sunk into it i'm like oh um, this better work <laughs> it's it's a better be a better be the right thing you better save the world otherwise yeah okay uh, yeah but it's all good I, it's, I hope uh, you save the world well uh, yeah, could do something yeah uh, i think 
I, so so it depends on what you consider presenting at a conference because 2018 was the last time that uh, I was at HFES physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, like I said, I, I keep mentioning this, but we had like a podcast booth, high visibility. Uh, I would technically consider that like we weren't in the tracks or anything and it wasn't research, but it was oh, you were there. We were presenting a show for, you know, people yeah. could stop by and we had speakers and, uh, you know, everyone could uh, hear, you know, we had something like 21 interviews in four days or wow. something like that. That's cool. It was a lot. It was a lot. And so I, I would consider that sort of presenting. But if you don't consider that, then I guess the last time that I had like had a paper at a conference was uh, 2016. Yeah. And then I started the podcast and then it, it all kind of just didn't matter. Um, then me. technically what you're doing on a, almost a weekly basis is, you know, if you consider the, I mean, a paper is just publishing what you're doing. Um, yeah. You're doing it on a weekly basis. Um, so, yeah, I can yeah. pump out papers weekly, uh, just set up some AI to like capture what we say and turn That's it into good. a method section and make the methods roughly the same each time. Ah, we, we Googled our, you know, research beforehand. And uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, or the um, the rapid justification of article embodiment, um, but using um, online search algorithms. There we wow! Go. Look at you. I know. Can can you just write that up for me now, and we'll, right? we'll co-author it, and that is a done thing. <laughs> Do you think we could make a paper on human factors cast, like the the communication of human factors concepts through digital media or something like that? Like- yeah, absolutely, we should. I think the. Um, in fact, yes, we should. We should. We should use. We could almost do it as a as an ethnographic study. Um, I think that is. I, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? If you we do have, of, yeah, we do have some descriptive stats on who listens to and, the show. And... But I mean, because you can take because we've got two different podcasts that take two different approaches, um, right? Because you've got yours that takes you know weekly news, and you're you're very dependent on what happens in order for us to and you know what the um um what the patrons and the twitter, twitter yeah. select for us to do so that that's that's very selective i take a, a different approach which is all about people you know selecting individual people and talking about them and so that's smashing both of them so they're two lenses onto basically the same thing um and can how do you show success from that well that we've got the you know like say you've got the stats of of listenership right. and that you know growth and we've got that on both sides and the fact that we're encouraging collaboration um i mean the fact that we've now got um, i think we're in the final stages of um uh, if i know we are it, it's pretty much there of like sort of chris reed coming to come for an interview and we've had tony right. andre on for an interview that wouldn't have happened without our collaboration right uh, exactly yeah. so yeah um and we're, we're we're also you know cross cross cultural uh cross yeah uh, cross-continental, worldwide audience. Like, yeah, it's it's interesting. We could certainly talk a lot we about could, that stuff. And, and this this is possibly in poor taste, but we could talk about the uh, the next stage of the UK-US special relationship. And that's yeah. what we should, we should call, because we both got, you know, a background in defense. And, and, it sort of brings, and it would just be a, an interesting play on, yeah. um, interesting play on that. So I think we go for something like that around the title. And Ooh. we should, we should, We'd, ooh, could could you do to make to cement that? Could we do a joint submission to both CIHF ooh. and HFES I for the same? Or could you do some sort of mashup? I don't know how that would work, but it, that could be really clever. We could well, we could do two different papers too. We could do like you know, hey, here's the study of of human factors cast. Here's the study of 
the Human Factors podcast, Bubble Two, and then we could do uh, you know a combination of the both sure. and say like yeah. focus on the collaboration effort between the two podcasts and how it's grown since. That's true. Yes, we can make three Ooh, papers out of this thing. There's, a, there's, a, there's studies and all sorts out of that. Um, <laughs> that, that, that sounds that sounds like a plan. Um, oh, given, the, we got, given the stats are just going to be there, then we can just use them. We don't have to worry too much about them. Right. Um, even even better, we could get some of the people from the lab to like write it up as as a you know um, get them to write the paper, put our names on it. Jobs are good. Exactly. Oh, sorry, put, them the, <laughs> put them in the put them in the in the acknowledgement section and call it done. Because that's how that's how it works, right? No, I'd want to include them and be like, you know, what what kind of interesting <laughs> things can you contribute to this? Because that's what a good mentor does. Yes, it was quite interesting, uh, and I think I, he, he won't be listening to this bit anyway, so I can say that. So, um, one of my guys who works for me, he's he's been contributing an awful lot. He's way more. So he's, he's just been awarded his PhD, which is amazing. Um, but his his academic rigor is is really good. He's, he's uh, to detail. So we, one of the first papers we did was this year was uh, for the Australian Ergonomic Society, which was basically the methods that we'd used to to underpin the climate ergonomic stuff. So we held some roundtable events, blah blah blah. And um, and he was like, okay, so we, I'm assuming that we put your your name on this as the primary author. Um, you know, clearly I'm writing it, but your name goes onto it. I'm like, why? You're presenting. It's your work. Right. Um, I mean, obviously it's R&D, and yes, my name, you know. We worked on it together, so I don't. I, I quite like my name on there somewhere, but you know, dude, you're the primary author. You 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 did you did the heavy heavy lifting. Um, so crack on. Oh, but but you're like the boss. Shouldn't you be doing that? I'm like, no, that's not the way it works. Um, and he, he just seemed really shocked, and I was like, well, isn't that the way it is? Oh no. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's like academic shorthand, right? So like the last author is typically the PI or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, you know, that that has its own level of prestige uh, associated with it. Um, the the first name is the primary author, the person who actually, like, you know, did the did, did the research. Uh, and then, you know, everyone else is kind of who contributed to thoughts, ideas and methodology and all that stuff in between. Uh, but maybe isn't, you know, the P.I. or the, the person who thought mm. of it, you know, so like there, there's shorthands. Um, and you know, the, the rules of academic papers are so, uh, I don't know. I, I struggle, I struggle with academia sometimes because of this, like the ideas that people come up with in like, you know, like, let's say we had a lab meeting, mm. right? You, me, and the rest of the digital media lab. And, you know, we're, we're talking, we're brainstorming. I would consider anyone who is a part of that discussion an author if something that ended up from that discussion on the final paper right yeah, because we came up with it together like who yeah. knows what that conversation held in order to get to that final conclusion of brainstorming right somebody could have you know suggested something but maybe that wouldn't have come about unless somebody else suggested something first and so anyone who is a part of that conversation is an author in my book and it's like as a leader, you must include those people throughout the process to make sure that, you know, they are, their voices are heard and that they, you know, contribute. But like, unless somebody just, you know, threw out an idea in a, in a um, meeting and didn't really do much else, like outside of that, I think, you know, you're pretty much just give everybody credit who, who worked on it that, 
may have contributed to it. Because uh, I don't, I don't think that it doesn't diminish from your own input to say that other people had input, and I don't see why no. people think it does. Um, Still, I, I'm the sole author on this paper, but I got all my ideas from my students. Like, I, it seems so gatekeepy to me, and mm -hmm. like, I, mean, I don't know if I made it clear. I hate gatekeepiness in in uh, in the human factors field. I think traditionally there's been a lot of you know old crusty white dudes who had made the rules um, and who have kind of academia in general is just kind of yeah. like that. And so like now nah, let's democratize this stuff. Like anyone can do it. And the, like the fact that I don't know. There's there's traditionally been a um, maybe. Uh, prejudice against ux or people in the ux mm, like, they, yeah, yeah. they don't do what we do because human factors is much different than ux and uh uh really they didn't go through the academic rigor to uh, to discover the things that we've discovered and they're like I, I, shut up shut up they're doing the same thing they're they're trying to make things better for people like exactly they, they might be going about it differently but they're doing yes I, i've been doing my um my whole vase model theory which i'll bore you with at some point um <laughs> But it, but it works. But um, about the differences between HF and UX. But uh, yeah. But you need to go. You've got things to do. I do. Yes, I do. So if you've been clicking through and have watched the post show, thank you so much. We appreciate you uh, well sticking around with us. Um, and we are done for the week. Uh, if you are a patron, you've heard all this in one go. Um, so well done. Well done. Well done, Anya. Uh, we'll be back next week, next Thursday, to talk about something or other. And uh, you all have a wonderful night. And Barry, I'll see you next time. Indeed. See you later, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.